Hey, hey, this is Mark Asquith from Excellence Expected, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers. This is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 80 of Chasing Dreams, which, you know, every time I speak, I feel like I'm saying this is amazing, but it just continues to be amazing. And today is no different because I have our second international podcaster on the show, which is amazing in and of itself. But Mark Asquith, a serial entrepreneur who has built globally successful design and marketing, SaaS and digital businesses since he quit his job in 2005, is here today. He is a passionate podcaster perpetual learner, helpful bloke, nicest guy, and he has a giant dog and what he believes to be an embarrassing beard. Uh, Mark, your beard's not that embarrassing, okay? Let me just make that clear right now, but thank you for coming onto the show. Well, I feel like I'm leading people astray with that actually now because I had had a shave on on Saturday and I've trimmed it right down because it really got, it really did get embarrassing. Um, (laughs) Anyone that sees the the picture of me, which I put everywhere, which is the one in the in the suit, which I'll tell you a little secret about. Actually, everyone says that looks that's a really nice professional picture. It's very dapper, gig. yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not a speaking gig. It's not anything professional. I was actually I was telling a joke at a wedding in that picture, um, and everyone is shocked when they hear that because they they think it looks all professional. And really, I was probably <laughs> quite drunk at the time. Well, then you know what that means, right? You, you just have a very good way of covering for that. <laughs> I don't know about that. You should see me drunk. If we ever go to a, uh, a podcaster's meetup at Podcast Movement, if anyone goes to one of our meetups, yeah, you'll see. You'll see that I can't hold it together after a whiskey. Well, then that's this year, 2017. We'll make that happen. <laughs> Dylan, are you, are you going to Podcast Movement? I will be there. Oh, wicked. Well, we're, um, we've got a meetup there. It's going to be a karaoke meetup one evening. So, yeah, we'll. we'll oh, how uh, can I say no to that? You have to go to that one. It's not just a podcast website's members thing either. It's for anyone. We'll just take over a bar put some money behind the bar and just uh, uh, drink and karaoke. Guys, we'll share photos and then just to show that he can hold his liquor or he can't. Yeah, we can all make a decision once we've seen the photos. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark, you have an interesting story because when you were young, it seems uh, you quit your job at 23 and most people are trying to find jobs at 23. Oh, I know. I was a bit of a weirdo. I still am actually. Um, so I never went through the whole college system and, and, and university here in the UK. I never really did that. Um, for for a couple of reasons, one of them mainly financial, but but two, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I, I knew what I kind of wanted to be. I just wanted to have this kind of freedom and I, people just telling me what to do really frustrates me and I've always struggled with that. So I did, I went into, into, into work super early. I actually got my first job, proper job, where I was, you know, independent and um, I wasn't just kind of part-time work. You know, my first proper job, if you like, was, was at age 18 and yeah, sort of left that at 23 and and and, and uh, pretty much been unemployable ever since, really, which is which is quite curious. So you left a job at 23, and ha- did you have any worries at that point? I mean, most people panic or are scared of the fact that there's no 
uh, answer for the next day. I kind of liked that. So I'm not a huge risk taker, if I'm being totally honest with you. I'm not like one of these, you know, high risk, high return people. But what I what I will do is I'll always try and find that balance between what I want to do and what I need to do. And I'm I, like, I'm not the guy chasing millions, millions and millions of pounds doesn't really interest me. It's, it's, you know, I just want enough to be able to live a free life. So I wasn't really afraid of that. I wasn't really worried about not having anything because I didn't have anything then. You know, I was living in a in a small little flat. Um, I didn't like it. You know, it was it, it wasn't the nicest place, and I was earning I don't know eighteen, nineteen grand a year, and it, it was rubbish. It was terrible. And the only career path that I could see before myself was um, was was just to kind of incrementally ease my, increase my salary, or to take on another position like a managerial position or a you know quote unquote leadership position within an organization like that which was completely disproportionate in terms of the amount of crap that I had to deal with versus the return in cash it just didn't compute in my head that 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 was the only thing to do so it didn't really scare me actually I was I was quite fortunate in that regard but then as a bit of a backup my dad's an electrician Amy so he, he said well listen if you want if you want to take your mind off things just come and carry things for me which sounds really weird um, but coming out of the corporate world at age 23, you know, it was nice to feel something like I felt tired. I could, my hands hit, ached and I, I was, I felt my muscles working again, which I'd not done in that sense for, for a long, long time. So I, I had a few weeks doing that with him just to clear my head. Um, so I don't think I really got time to be afraid. I actually quit the job on, I think it was a Tuesday because it was a new job. I turned up on the Monday, thought this is terrible. Tuesday morning went in and quit. And by the Wednesday, I was I was just carrying stuff for my dad, um, and just you know just just getting the kind of <laughs> I guess the, the passive dad advice that you get when you you see him for eight hours a day. Well, so that's true. I, they they never I, hold back, do they? No, my dad. My dad's a funny one. He's always like, well, kind of do what you want as long as you're earning money. He's, he he loves his job. He loves his work. He's been self-employed for I don't know twenty years, twenty-five years now. Um, and he, he loves his job. He, you know, he really, really does. He, he works. He's the guy that people phone up at 8 p.m. on a Sunday night when they've blown the lights up. You know, he's, he's, and he will answer the phone. He's not, there aren't really any boundaries with him and, unless he's, you know, unless he's on holiday or whatever. But, and he doesn't see it as a problem. Like, he, he, he really embraces his job. He really loves it. So I was, I was just like, wait a second. Like, why is he so happy all the time? What, what, what's going on here? And it just clicked that he's just super, super pleased about turning up to work every day. So then how do you, how do you figure out what your next step is? I mean, you've, you've gotten that freedom of, uh, away from the corporate world and you're doing manual labor, but did you take some time to try and figure out what the next step is or did you just experiment? So this is kind of where it gets a little bit weird. So the next two years of my life after, after quitting the job, I actually became a freelance contractor. So I was still working for other people, but I was, I was classed as self-employed. I had my own limited company. I was invoicing. But I was essentially still working one and two month contracts for people like the Ministry of Defense or the National Health Service, doing like digital training for them. This is something that I used to do in my corporate um, life, just just a little bit. And I really played upon that. Um, the reason that I mentioned that is that actually I kind of bluffed my way into my first contract, which the, the contract world gave me the freedom to figure out what I wanted to do because I ended up earning a lot of money. It was really weird. I got to 24 and I was earning like 100, 110 grand a year, which was, it was, it was awful. <laughs> it sounds really good, but it was, just, <laughs> I was going to say, didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, I wasted it pretty much. I could have bought property. I could have done anything, but actually the only good thing that I did was I saved up 20, 30 grand to set up my own business, which, which you know comes much later. But 
I blagged my way into that first contract. I remember vividly, I was sat outside my dad's house up in Wakefield in Yorkshire. And I got a call um, from a recruiter saying, we've seen your CV somewhere. We, we, we want someone that's got your skill set. And I basically lied on the CV. I was like, yeah, I do all this digital training. Never done that in my life. I'd done a little bit for internal people, but never really been a, a, a trainer per se. And um, I, got a, I got a phone interview, a telephone interview. Got through that because I'm, I'm a bit of a talker. I can kind of get my way around things. I'm, you know, tech savvy, so I was all right on that front. Uh, got the second interview again, another telephone interview, sat outside my dad's house in the blazing sun, burning, and got ended up getting this contract, which was crazy. And then did that, reinvested the money in actually becoming a trainer, a certified trainer. And then did that for a couple of years and built up a, a pot of cash to set the business up. So I never really worried about it. I, I kind of just blagged my way into the first couple of years of, of, of self-employment. Um, but it was interesting because I didn't, although I had a lot of cash at the time, I it, it made me see that the fulfillment was the thing that I wanted. Like even though I was earning, I was still, I was just hated doing it because I was still effectively working for someone else. Right. Um, so that was a big lesson. It taught me that actually it's not all about the money. Yeah, you need the money. You know, anyone that says you can't have any money is, is crazy. But it taught me that actually you, you only need so much and then it becomes about fulfillment, you know? Yeah. So, but you use that money and you created your first real business. And so you have your own business. Did you still feel like you were working for the man in the sense that you're contracting and working for others? So that's where I really screwed up, actually. <laughs> I had that business. I had that business for about six months, and I dwindled it down to having about sixty pounds in the bank. Um, like I really made a mess of it. Really made a mess of it. And the reason was, um, so I come from this little town called Barnsley. I'm actually sat in Barnsley right now, actually, in the, the agency that I own. And it's it's a weird little town. You know, it's an old mining town in the UK. It was decimated in the eighties by. Um, the mines shutting and, and the industry disappearing and, you know, the town's had to reinvent itself. And I was kind of the, of the generation that was in the middle there. There was nothing for me in this town, but yet there was nothing, sorry, nothing for me in the past of this town, but there was nothing to move into. Like there was no tech like there is now. Um, so it was an interesting one insofar as I always was taught that actually you can just do one of three things. You can work in a mine or a factory um, you can kind of do kind of menial work. So you could do like kind of laboring style work or trades, which I didn't really fancy. Or the big kind of, I guess the big aspiration for most people in Barnsley, certainly at that time, I don't know about now, was that you do really, really well if you get an office job. So I was kind of thinking to myself, well, I'll just aim for this office job. Um, and it, it, it was just a, it was a really weird scenario because that taught me to be quote unquote professional. So when I got my first business, I was acting like this corporate guy. I was acting like the guy that, um, I, I thought people wanted that kind of quote unquote professionalism from someone that ran their own business. And I completely made a mess of it because I didn't, it just wasn't me. It wasn't like, that's not naturally me. Um, so I kind of ran that into the ground. I got, I made a, a mistake with the wrong employee. Um, just the one employee that I had and it, it was just bad. I just, I just learned all of my lessons very quickly in six months. Um, and I was just about to quit and go back contracting when I decided to set up another style of agency with a couple of friends, uh, Don and Mark and, you know, really implement the lessons that I'd learned from there. So yeah, it was weird because I'd, I was taught to be this professional quote unquote professional and it was that 
in the self-employed world that really was my undoing, which is is quite an interesting lesson to learn. Now, those lessons that you learned, I'm curious, do you, now looking back in hindsight, which, you know, they say is 2020, do you think you still needed those lessons? Like if you could do it over, would you just skip the whole business thing and just try to learn the lessons another way? Or do you find that what you learned is helping you today? Well, I think the biggest lesson that I learned was just be yourself, you know, which everyone says it sounds super cliched, but I'm a particular type of person. Like I'm outspoken. I swear a lot. Like my my mom loves it, honestly. I (laughs) just kind of just say how it is. I cut through the kind of rubbish and cut through the noise. And that's my whole, that's my whole ethos at Excellence Expected is to cut through the noise and give it you straight. And I don't think I would have learned that had I not tried not to be that. So I would have needed to try to be this quote unquote professional that I thought you needed to be wherever that was, you know, whether I'd set up some other business or whatever. Like, I don't think I'd be where I was now if I'd not had that kind of problem. And I'm, I'm grateful for having done that. I'm, I'm wildly annoyed at having wasted 20, 25 grand. Like that's a massive annoyance. I could have put that into two or three houses, but I look at it as an investment. If I, you know, I've paid that 20 grand to learn these lessons and that set me up for, for a much better future. So yeah, I think I needed it. Um, would I skip it? No, I wouldn't skip it. Uh, would I do anything differently? If you were to look at it from a tactical business perspective and look at what is quote unquote right and wrong, then yes, of course I'd make some changes, but actually the result has been much better for going through that process. So I, no, I, I don't think I'd change anything. And it's, it's interesting you say it that way. Cause I think, uh, comparatively, people put 20, 20 grand in for a degree in business, which you seem to have learned also, just not formally, just in a trial and error kind of way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To quote Chris French uh, from The Office, the UK version of The Office, it's University of Life. And it's, yep. um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's that old classic cliche. And don't get me wrong, it's tough. Like, believe me, it's, it's not easy. And it's very weird. You know, I kind of draw parallels to. So everyone that I know that went through uni to study business, like literally to, to study business, business studies, are still employed. And some of them are doing all right. Some of, them, some of them are not doing all right. Some of them are stuck in jobs that they don't like. And it's taken them 10, 12 years to move and, and find something that they like marginally more for a small incremental step in salary. And I'm grateful to not have to worry about that. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to just for having people around me that, that will – support and and not only that but having built an audience up that you know just that have got i've got the ear of you know that i can ask questions of and try and figure out well actually what's my next step where do i want to go what what can i do for these people that i'm going to enjoy as well um so yeah you're right you know it's it's a very different type of education but it it really is tough it really is hard because there's no one unless you unless you actively seek them out there's no one there to guide you you know you've got to really you've really got to look for these gift horses and say, well, actually this person's a really good mentor. I need to, I need to stay close to this person. I'm going to need to ask this person for help. And if you've not got the mindfulness to do that, then that's when you end up on your ass. And, you know, it's interesting. You, you had said something just a a few moments ago about, you know, how can I surround you surround yourself with with these people and how can you help them and, you know, be interested at the same time. And that's actually the first thing I remember about you. I believe it was a podcast movement, 15? Yeah, 15. And you were just uh, about to start podcast websites. Mm, yeah, we launched that, didn't we? Yeah. Kind of. And the interesting part was, I was intrigued by how you were doing it. You There was a problem with podcasters and setting up websites, and you saw a problem and you approached it as, okay, how can we fix this? How can we make this um, 
doable for them. And you seem very passionate about that. And that intrigued me because it's like, um, why? Why not just uh, solve it for yourself? But you were thinking grand scale almost. There are other people with this issue. How do I help them? Did you discover that about yourself with the with your audience that you 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 have and that you just wanted to kind of help others in that way? Yeah, so it's an interesting one with podcast websites. That was like a perfect storm um, because having the agency hacksaw that taught me web. Like I've known how to build websites and build platforms for people for a long time. But not only that, I've known what works and what doesn't work. When you build these things, like I know what makes a website successful and what makes it unsuccessful. So when I put my show together, Excellence Expected, and, and, and started building out my own personal brand, um, it, it, like it, was, it was a pain in the backside for me. Like I was thinking, this is such a, why do I have to do all these things? Why can't, I don't get it. Just, I don't understand why this is so tough. And yeah, if you tech savvy, you can do it, but surely there's an easier way of doing it. So we started thinking and the, the, the kind of the real catalyst for this was just getting to know John, being on EO fire, reaching out, striking up a friendship and saying, listen, John, let's, let's see what we can do. Can we, can we do something that let's be completely frank about it is going to make us money because that's what we, that's what we're all here to do in business. But ultimately, can we do it by enabling other people to do what they want to do a lot, lot easier? And the answer was thankfully yes. Um, and that's been a massive learning curve for us. You know, our, our first version of the product was, it was nothing compared to what we have now. Um, but if we'd sat on it and tried to make it perfect, wouldn't have worked. So yeah, it, it, it's been a very interesting process, that very interesting process. And you seem to continue to be kind of doing that. I mean, podcast websites is doing well. Are you continuing that trend of there's a problem I'm trying to address it or what are you up to now? Yeah, massively. So that's the way that we approach. So there's a couple of things to, to kind of pick up with that one. And the first one is yes, in terms of podcast websites, we, we always develop things and we always look at things that people actually ask us for. So we don't just develop a feature because we think it'd be cool. Well, Actually, that's not true because, <laughs> <laughs> because we're podcasters. We, um, we put them on our roadmap for validation. That's what I should say. That's what we do. Um, we basically, we've got this massive roadmap of, of features and benefits for people. Um, and when an idea comes up, either because I'm finding it difficult with my own platforms and you know the way that I run uh, my own podcast websites and think to myself, actually, it'd be great if I could do this on the platform stick it on the roadmap. But then also we get thousands and thousands of support tickets every single month and we just analyze them and stick features on the board. So yes, you know, we've got to listen. We've got to keep listening. Um, and that's how we develop things. But then on the flip side of that, you know, it, it's lucky that we've built podcast websites up and people were asking me for, but this is a, just an example. We're asking me for, for, for private coaching, one-to-one -one coaching. And I, I just said, well, what do you want coaching on? And, and, and it turned out they wanted podcast coaching, which I'd always resisted because, you know, I don't want to be one of those, one of the 240,000 podcast coaches that do one episode and then call themselves a coach. But it turned out that these people actually wanted a bigger picture. They wanted business strategy. They wanted branding. They wanted marketing. They wanted web strategies that actually focus around the podcast. So it's a much wider remit. So I was very quickly able to say, well, look, if I launch a 10-seat podcast accelerator program, under the excellence expected brand, will you jump onto it? And yeah, that you know, people jump on it, it. It was filled up within, I think it was about three hours. Um, so it, yes, the, the answer is yes. I always, I always have to listen to people and you, you've got to pick your yeses. You can't pick your, 
Um, you can't take every idea and run with it. You've got to pick your yeses. Like, what's the most valuable thing that I can do that's going to benefit me and the audience? And it's still going to allow me to do what I need to do as well. Like, for example, if I'd have created a massive coaching program that took up 40 hours a week, it had destroyed everything else that I'm involved in. So you've got to be really careful about where you say yes to things. Mm-hmm. And the thing that that's interesting to me is even if you don't say yes, your website and guys, the link to Excellence Expected will be on the show notes page. Uh, you are, have a ton of content. I mean, the number of free resources just on the bottom of your screen, uh, one, two, like five, four or five off the bat. I mean, you're just continuously producing things, these things. I'm not sure how you balance everything you have going on. So the key thing for me is batching. That's the way that I do it. So as an example, I'm looking right now on my screen. I've just swiped over to it. Um, we've got, let me just scroll down and count these up. We've got, there's 21 blog posts that I've already written, done, finished, written, ready to rock, that go from February 22nd through to December 20th this year. Um, they're all done, 1,500, 1,600-word blog posts, all done. They'll all become audio, so they'll become another podcast, which will be like a weekly. It's called a 10-minute tirade, which will be a me 10-minute ranting about something that I'm writing about that week. Um, so the key thing is batching. That's the year done, which is great because it means I can focus then on the other free stuff that I'm doing. So today I've just launched um, the giveaway. So every month, if you're on the VIP email list, if you go to excellence-expected.com, click free stuff, get on the VIP list on the first of every month, I just pick a random person off that email list and send them just a pile of free stuff, whether it's books or gadgets or some tech or some software licenses, whatever. Um, creating the free Slack community, the the, uh, the excellence expected movement. But the, the key to it all is this batching. So all the content is just all done throughout the entire year based on what people have asked me the last year. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really about picking out what people want and not trying to just put too much content out, like putting content out every single day. It's much better to pick the right stuff and put it out at the right time. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the key to that free content that you mentioned there. It's like, how do you keep on top of that? Well, that, that's the secret to it. Wow. Okay, hold on. Now I have to talk about this batching. How <laughs> I'm like, because you, you're finished for the year apparently on just the blog post. You, you'll create the audio for that probably later batching that, I'm, I'm assuming. Wait, I started you, that yesterday actually, randomly, so, and I'll do, that in, I'll do that in one day. I'll just sit down and smash through it all. So, so what is your recommendation for someone who is new to batching? Do you take a day to just kind of plan out how you batch or do you batch at once and then the next step you batch another thing or what, what's the process there? So it depends for me. It depends what you're trying to achieve with it. So from my perspective, it was all right for me to batch out the entire content for the year in terms of blog posts. Now, of course, I might do other podcasts. This is a great thing about it. It means that if I get to June and think, do you know what? It'd be really cool to do a podcast about something else. I can just do it because it's not bogging me down. Now, you've got to think about how far in front you, you batch things. So, for example, if you think that your audience is going to change or the needs and requirements or your product roadmap's going to change or you're not quite sure where you'll be in three months, then only batch for three months or batch for six months to suit. Now, I was able to batch for the year because I know that I'm going to release a new good quality, not a low level, not a 300, 400 worder. You know, a good quality 1,500 word blog post every two weeks. I can see them here, February 22nd, March 1st, March 15th, March 29th. Um, and then the, the the idea with the audio is to just repurpose that. So if you're not a reader, you might be a listener. You know, cool. I've got, I've got you both ways there. So the key thing is figuring out 
what you think your audience will want and when you think they might want it um, and not trying to be too clever around what you're giving them. You know, just go really simple. So really the key thing for batching is, for example, to not worry that, that you are having to create this brand new content that no one's ever seen or heard before. So for example, um, I've got a couple of blog posts here and I'll read them out to you. Um, the, the best example, actually, April 12th, 2017, I've got a blog post going out, which is the five telltale signs of a terrible client. And this is not new information. Like people with common sense will get this. People who have been in business before will get this. Even people that haven't been in business but just have eyes and ears will get this. So I'm not telling people necessarily something new, but this might be the first time that someone sees this for what it is to them or appreciates the impact that this has on them. So when you're batching your content, it's very, for me, it's very important to make sure you're talking to your audience in your own voice so you can really get the information across that you want to get across. So not worry about having to create something uber innovative or completely radical, you know, every single time. It's about finding your voice. Now, the cool thing about batching is that if you imagine that you write 10 blog posts or record 10 podcasts or do 10 videos, by the time you've done them, believe me, you will be in your swing. You will be in your flow. You are, you're not having to find your voice because once you've done one or two of them, your voice is so natural and you become like the natural you. Um, so that's another kind of unseen benefit of batching is this idea that once you get three or four items into the batch, you're really in your zone, you know, you're in this flow, you've got your own personality coming through where if you're doing one blog post per week, that might feel like a warm up, you know, you're doing the first blog post, it's a bit of a warm up. You might not be talking as you truly are or saying the things that you truly want to say because you're just in this, okay, I've got to get it done mode. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of unseen benefits to batching. I think if you just, just be sensible about it, you know, be, be, the, the idea with batching is to get things off your plate, but not take the value away from, from the user or from the reader or from the audience. Give them what they expect, but do it in such a way that it lowers the impact on your time. And that's, that's a really smart way you put it in the fact that, you know, it, there is a benefit to it, but be smart based on your audience and what they want and how you were talking about the three months versus six months. Each person or audience may be different, but what do you do if you come back and the feedback is negative and it's negative in such a way or different. I mean, take away negative different in such a way that you probably should pivot at some point. What do you do if you had already batched a bunch of articles? Like you discover this in the middle of it. Well, it depends. I mean, that's a, that's an excellent question. Actually, it depends on what, what, what the feedback is. So if the feedback is, look, we don't want this type of content anymore, then it's your job to, to say, all right, well, what do you want? Look at what that is and mm -hmm. then look at whether, whether you can repurpose some of the stuff. But ultimately, look, someone's going to want that content. So pitch it to someone. Pitch it to Inc. or HuffPost or to Entrepreneur.com. You know, just pitch this to someone else. And if you can do kind of um, blog outreach and, and kind of this this kind of influencer marketing, you know, give it to someone. Give it to, to, to someone that runs a big blog in your niche and just say, well, you know what? I'm not going to use this content. It's really solid content. I don't want to bin it. Do you want to stick it on your site and just give me a little bit of credit for it? You know, you're always going to be able to use this. The ultimate goal with content marketing is to prove that you're there, to show that you're around, to show that you know what you're doing. Um, and, and, and you're always going to be able to use content. There's never, there's never wasted content. As long as it's good, it's not just content for the sake of it. That's always got a place, you know? Well, that's a good point. So, so it's not a waste of time that you've done. It's just now you got to figure out something else to do with it. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like um, if you're an Olympian and and, and you, you sort of you're a gold medal cyclist, and you know when you see some of the the backstories, I'm thinking of one of the British cyclists here. I forget her name, um, but you know she's a gold medal cyclist. She's like reached the pinnacle of what she can achieve. But actually, the first ten years of her training was to be a sprinter, and like all that time that she spent training to be a sprinter is not wasted because she became a cyclist. She just enjoyed it more and and, and actually excelled at that much more. So. All the training, all the, the mindset, the discipline, the uh, technique, the kind of the focus, the nutrition aspect, she's got all that and she can just transpose it over. Same with your content. You know, all you're trying to do is, is get into a rhythm, get into a habit, get into a, a set of skills and set of practices and tactics that you can use. So, yeah, you're never wasting content as long as you promise to yourself and to your audience everything that you create will not be half-hearted. It will, it will be very good content. You know, I'm not talking... A 500 word blog post. I'm talking a 1200, a 1500 word minimum. I've got one blog post which is, I still use it, I still repurpose it, which is 10,500 words. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like a quarter of a book. So it's, it, it's huge. So yeah, I mean, you, you've just got to get into that habit and just remember that all you're doing every time you create anything is you're practicing for the next one. That's all you're doing. You're practicing for the next thing. That's, that's a great, uh, that's a great little thing if we put an image and tweet that out, guys. I love it. I mean, because, I mean, you're still repurposing from that, essentially, a quarter book that you wrote? Yeah, I really am. That's going to be um, 10 Minute Tirade, which is the new the new kind of me just sat in front of a mic ranting away as part of the Excellence Expected little mini network that I've got. It will be um, it will be a podcast, which is just me repurposing some of the, the blog content that I've got. And literally, that 10 and a half, let's have a look at it, that 10 and a half... Um, thousand word where are we ten and a half thousand word yep there it comes is broken down into seven podcasts wow yeah there are seven podcasts there um which which we can just use and we can just repurpose It's, it's fantastic i feel like you might be might be the prince or the king of repurposing here oh i don't know there's some people doing some really good stuff but it's this is me just kind of you know, when you think to yourself, well, I've got to publish something this week, you know, like we've all been there as content Oh, sure, marketers. yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, I, like I've said that I'm going to put something out every Tuesday, it's Monday, what am I going to put out? Like, look backwards, what can you do? Can you, you've got some great content, pick out what, what works and what doesn't work and, and do something about it, reuse it. You know, one of the big things that I used to do, if you were to go to, for example, excellence-expected.com forward slash avatar, it's a tutorial on how to build the perfect audience avatar. And what I used to do, I experimented with Facebook Live when it first first became available. And I just thought, well, what happens if I put a blog post out on a Tuesday and then on a Wednesday at 5 o'clock UK time, I just sit down and I just talk about that blog post and then go through the content, say it in my own words, and then record the video, stick it on Facebook Live, sorry, record the video and upload that to YouTube and then re-embed that back into the blog post. What would happen? And the result was that we got a lot of email signups. We got some great engagement. The people that wouldn't read the blog post tuned into the video. Um, and it, it, it just works. You know, it's about finding your own kind of bit of rhythm with, with your audience. You know, where, where do they want you to be and where are you comfortable being? Yeah, and it sounds like you, you were able to address various needs for various people, depending on what their preference is. Yeah, exactly. Because people people have different needs, you know, different different people, different needs. So you got to think about. Like I'm not a reader. I love reading books. Don't get me wrong. Um, but when it comes to a blog post, 
I, I, I rarely read it. I'm a skimmer. Stick it on a podcast, you got me, because I'll do it in the gym, I'll do it walking the dog. Um, and it, 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 just, it, it just needs to play to your, your audience. And, you know, people, some people watch videos, so why not record it on video? So, yeah, that's, that's the way to approach it. You know, don't just assume it because you like one particular medium or one particular method that, that the whole of your audience is going to follow suit, because it just won't work like that. Well, that's some great advice. And so, Mark, based off of all your experiences and the actions you're doing and the things you're going to be doing, it seems, you know, you, you're a great example for people who are trying to chase their dreams and what they should do. What is one action you would tell them they should do today? Okay. So in terms of action, I think what you've got to do is just, you've got to be really clear on what you're trying to provide. And what I mean is what, what are you trying to do for your audience and really think about that. And I'm not talking about like, for example, with excellence expected, I'm very clear. I will help you in the first two, two and a half years of entrepreneurship. I will help you make the jump from having a job or I will help you if you've got a current business, I will help you in the first two, two and a half years of diversifying that with a new product or service or setting up another business. Like those first two years where you go through idea through to MVP and validation and getting it out to market and really going through all the rubbish that comes with that, you know, that's very clearly what I do with Excellence Expected. And a lot of people don't do that, especially a lot of people that set up their own little businesses online. Like they're not, they're not very clear on what they're doing. They just see what everyone else is doing and think, well, I could probably do that. Like I'll just blog. Well, what are you going to blog about? Okay, well, just about business. Yeah, but that's a bit of a broad spectrum. So you've got to get super clear on what you're doing. So I, I would urge everyone to just try and keep a bit of a compass in hand. So every week, every couple of weeks, make sure that the content that you're creating serves your actual long game purpose. Not just get into a habit of creating because we think we need to create. Make sure every single week that what you're doing is what you set out to do. And if it's not, figure out why and whether there is something that you need to change, whether there is a little mini pivot that you need to do. Um, just don't just don't carry on regardless is what I'm getting at with that. I love it. And, you know, a lot of us, and I've been guilty of the same, have done that or meaning kind of worked adrift before we've taken time to actually sit down and say, all right, what is the purpose of this? And I can attest to that advice so, Mark, thank you for sharing that and sharing your experiences and coming on the show today for that. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I love, love talking about this stuff. Oh, you're a natural at it. Oh, I don't know. You see, I'm just a talker. I've been a talker. I remember back at school, I once got called a potential criminal by Mrs. Schofield because she uh, she couldn't shut me up. So she equated that to being <laughs> a potential criminal. Thanks, Mrs. Schofield. I appreciate that. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> don't you love uh, teachers? Yeah, oh, lasting my mum went crazy. Yeah, they do. No, I know. My mum went crazy. She she came around like we used to live five minute walk from from the uh, from the school. So when I got in, she said to me, "How's your day been?" I said, "Bear in mind, I didn't know what potential criminal meant." I just went, "Yeah, Mrs. Schofield says I'm going to be a potential criminal." She went mad. So yeah, stormed around there, and Mrs. Schofield never called me that again. <laughs> well, way to defy expectations. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, thank you again. I do appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure. Really, really good. Really enjoyed that. So I will, I guess, probably see you at Podcast Movement then. You will. Come and get some free swag if anyone's going to Podcast Movement. We've got, uh, we do collectible t-shirts. So last year we launched some t-shirts, which uh, I don't know if you got one. The, uh, I one did of the indeed. Talk. 
Oh, beautiful. So you've got the original Talk Hard t-shirt. We'll be releasing the uh, 2017 Talk Hard ones, which are just in design right now. So come and grab one. Exciting. Have a great day, Mark. You too, Emmy. Thanks. Once again, thank you so much to Mark Asquith for coming onto the show and sharing his advice, knowledge, and especially about that batching process. I think that's great and what he's doing with repurposing. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys as much as it was for me. You guys can find all of the show notes and the links that were mentioned today on the show notes page at chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 80. That's episode 80. And until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.